Safety is a big concern at the MBTA right now. A series of crashes, derailments, and even a passenger death prompted the Federal Transit Administration to launch a top-to-bottom safety review of the T in April. The FDA's report isn't due until August, but the agency saw a need on June 15th to issue five directives to the T to address immediate concerns, including lagging maintenance and engineering work, and overworked staff in the Subway Operations Control Center, employee safety recertifications, and the development of standards for handling vehicles under repair. The safety issue has attracted a lot of attention locally, but the state's congressional delegation hasn't weighed in much so far. Our guest today, Congressman Stephen Lynch, a member of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, can remedy that. Welcome to the podcast, Congressman. Thank you, Bruce. Good to be with you. And this is certainly a, a timely topic, and uh, I'm happy to uh, participate. So thank you. Well, I thank you. And I just maybe we start off with what's your overall reaction to what the Federal Transit Administration is doing and what they've uncovered so far? Well, initially, I was concerned uh, more from the ridership uh, aspect of this in terms of uh, we were informed as a result of the FTA, the Federal Transit Administration's special directives, they ordered in part that uh, the MBTA had to uh, deal with their, their staffing problem in a way that would require them to lower service. So uh, in real terms, it meant that the trains on the, the blue, the orange and red line would experience about a four minute delay between trains as opposed to what the what the uh, existing service was was experiencing. So as as someone who you know rides the T on occasion and certainly I use the metro quite a bit in DC, uh, you add four minutes and that puts a whole more a lot more people into the station and uh, you end up having trains come into the station full. And uh, so you have to wait for several trains before you actually are able to get on a train. So four minutes sounds like, uh, you know, just a, a small increment, but it makes a big difference. So I was concerned about that. We're trying to get more people to use rapid transit. And, and I thought from that aspect, uh, you know, this this change was not helpful. However, I, I did ask for a a joint when we heard that I, I asked for a joint meeting between myself, the FTA and the MBTA. And uh, the FTA explained that the reason for their special directive was that uh, the dispatchers were being overloaded. So there were some dispatchers that on a regular basis were working 16-hour shifts, occasionally a 20-hour shift, because there were insufficient numbers of dispatchers uh, to handle the flow of trains. So they operate like the air traffic controllers uh, do in the air. Uh, this is on rail. And uh, right now we, we have so few dispatchers that uh, the FTA said, You've, you know, you cannot have a person working regular overtime like that. Their efficiency and their awareness and their performance will suffer. And that could end up in uh, more incidents. They, they actually thought that some of the previous incidents were a result of of overworked staff. And so we're asking to lower the workload on those dispatchers. So, uh, so we came up with an agreement uh, at, at that meeting 
to meet again a week later and to explore some solutions that might allow uh, us to increase the number of dispatchers that are available on those shifts. One of them uh, is actually being acted on today. It came from a meeting I invited uh, the union representatives from both the dispatchers union and local 589 who, who have, that re have a reserve group that can be uh, put to work as dispatchers. So uh, one of the solutions which I thought was creative uh, was that the local 589 would adjust their retirement uh, language in their pension uh, plan to allow dispatchers that had recently retired and who are no longer available to come back onto the service without jeopardizing their pension benefits. That, look, becoming a dispatcher takes anywhere to three, between three and four months, and that would not help us in the long term to, to just bring in new people and train them, although that is also going on. But to, to have immediate impact, we had to bring people on uh, quite soon. So the MBTA agreed to offer an incentive program. The unions agreed to relax the language of their pension plans to eliminate the penalties that would have uh, been applied to these dispatchers coming back on the payroll. So, so that's in play right now. And uh, we're working through that language. Oddly enough, or maybe not oddly enough, the, the language change to allow us to do that has to be approved by the membership of Local 589. So it has to be approved at a union meeting. And so that, that caused some, some delay, but that's, that's the, our plan right now to address that short-term problem. So, so it sounds like that could help, as you say, address the short-term problem, which might allow the T get back to full service levels before the Labor Day. I think they're originally planning to go through the end of the summer that way, and now they might be able to do it quicker than that. Perhaps, perhaps. So uh, it all depends how many, how, how much, uh, how many can how step much, forward, how, how much uptake. Yeah, how many people step up and agree to do that? There. They're talking about a $10,000 incentive uh, for members to come off of retirement and go back to work as dispatchers. So uh, we'll, we'll see how many people are attracted by that, that incentive. Did you hear a number about how many are in the potential pool that could come back if they can be lured back? Well, the, the whole reserve pool was, I, I think, 35 individuals. So if they had 35 people in the pool entirely, that would solve things. So uh, they're also uh, reaching out to some of the heavy rail operators uh, to see if there are certified uh, dispatchers uh, in the heavy rail area that would like to come on board. And uh, so they're, they're sort of, uh, you know, not cannibalizing, but, but I, I get the sense that there are not a lot of heavy rail uh, dispatchers, but they may have a retirement pool that we could work with as well. So they're, they're trying a lot of things at once. And they're also, uh, Local 589, as I said before, has the reservoir where those individuals who, who are actually conductors on trains are in the best position to learn and, and understand what the job of a dispatcher requires. The, the men and women who are actually running the trains are the, are the are the people who seem to do the best at this job. So we're trying to recruit out of that, that pool uh, to, to make a ready reserve from Local 589, who would then become members of Local 600, the dispatchers union, and, and 
put that that flow of of uh, employees back into place. But uh, you know, COVID took a lot of people out of play, uh, especially those who those drivers, uh, those conductors who would have to deal with the public and other personnel who were were on the T property. Uh, you know, because it's daily contact with the public. There was a lot of stress in that environment, as, I, as you may understand. And so people took their retirements. And uh, so that, that was an unexpected loss of personnel that, that caught the, the MBTA unaware and, and unprepared. And in these meetings, what's been the atmosphere? Everybody rolling their sleeves up, trying to get the job done? Or is there, what, yep. what's your sense? Yeah, I, I have to say, it, it, uh, people understand. People understand, and there's been, there's been nothing but cooperation between, uh, you know, it's more of how, how do we iron out these details? Like with the union, they explained that their position and, and the, their pension plan would not allow that without penalties being incurred. And, and so between uh, discussions with the with uh, Steve Poftak over at the MBTA and, uh, and Jim Evers, who, who is the president of the uh, Local 589, and uh, uh, President McDonald, who's over at... Uh, at uh, uh, local 600, th there's been pretty good cooperation, and, and I had discussions with the, the governor as well on this, uh, and uh, so it it seems like we're all rowing in the same direction. And that's you're trying to rightly so trying to address the immediate problem here to get service back to full levels. But step back a second if you could, and so what seems you know these directives are sort of the initial you know, immediate things that can be done. But are you concerned about safety at the T in your talks with the FTA? Are you, are you worried? Because that could also have a ripple impact on ridership uh, in a, maybe a broader long-term sense. The, in the big picture, how concerned are you? I'm worried. I'm worried. Uh, as you mentioned in your opening remarks, we've had a number of incidents uh, that, that could have been attributable to working people overtime or, or having st staffing shortages. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm very, very concerned. Look, I've had, you know, three meetings in the last week on this, which is, uh, you know, all on, on this issue. Um, the funding has been put in place, but I think there's a, there's a lag between the time we approved that money, even though it was emergency funding and, and the legislature, the governor, and the, the agency actually deploying some of those resources to deal with the problem. So, uh, you know, I am concerned, but fortunately a lot of people are concerned and, and we seem to be working together trying to eliminate the, the or, or mitigate the, the danger here, but, but it does exist. And so, I mean, that's why the FTA said, you know, lower your service because we did not have the personnel in place, uh, you know, to, to, to deal with the flow and to adequately protect the ridership. And if you lay on top of that, the accident that we had over at Haymarket with the, you know, with uh, the demolition of the garage and then uh, the damage to the tunnels below, uh, we've got problems there. Uh, we, we had a lot of projects uh, that were either finishing up or, or uh, in progress where we ha already had to bus people around certain stations. That's going on in the red line in Quincy and we're trying to get all that. That's made great progress, but we're still not uh, finished. So we had a lot of balls in the air when all of this uh, 
started to happen. Um, and I just, one little detail I just want to be clear about. It was always a little unclear to me whether the FTA said, you've got a, um, you've got your, your staffing levels in the operations control center, they're, they're being overworked. You've got to address that. You sort of portrayed it though. They said that, and then you, this is the way to do it. Or, or did the T come up with that solution? Do you, do you have a sense of that? The, the FTA is the one that said, you've got, a, you know, you've got staffing problems here, and we think they're, they're connected to some of the incidents that you've had here. Uh, they didn't single out individual incidents, but they said collectively in the aggregate, we think it's, you've, you've got people overworked. And uh, they mentioned the number of hours that some people were working and the number of people that were available to do those jobs. So the FTA definitely said, you've got to reduce service and, uh, and, and deal with that issue. Uh, okay. I think it was I think it was really the T that said, OK, this is how we've done it. But but I did ask the I did ask the FTA. I, I brought up a couple of other cities where we had problems. And I said, what did you do then? And and they they did say, well, they, they increased the pool of, of people and, uh, you know, reduced the number of the, the flow of, uh, of of the frequency of trains to try to deal with that that backlog. So it, it was an open discussion. But. The T and the unions were, were quite active in that discussion. I don't want to try to compartmentalize who said what, but I, I think it was collective cooperation between the parties. So the, the other thing I wanted to talk with you about, this must be incredibly frustrating for you in a way, because back in March 2021, Congress had funneled a lot of money to the T and other transit authorities around the country. And just to set it for our listeners, the T at that time was scaling back service to more better fit, as it thought, the ridership at that time. And also I, there was a plan, actually, I think they followed through on it initially to furlough about 40 conductors on the commuter rail system, which was really hard hit, ridership was way down. You and the congressional delegation spoke out pretty forcefully that you're getting all this money. We didn't expect you to cut service and start laying people off. We, we wanna see service back to, you know, regular levels and don't lay anybody off. And that's what the T did. They, they responded in sort of reverse course. But now we seem to be back in that spot for one reason or another. We're lowering service and not we're not laying people off, but we're also looking ahead to a year or so out where we're going to, as they say, the T is going to hit a fiscal, fall off a fiscal cliff and its operating budget is going to be in deficit. What are you thinking about that? I mean, that that must be incredibly frustrating for you. It is. It is. Uh, I, I don't deny that. Uh, there, there had been a, a large miscommunication. We gave them a billion dollars and then they told me that they were going to lay off. Uh, I think it was closer to 50 uh, conductors on commuter rail. So we had a come to Jesus meeting on that and uh, they reversed course, which I thought was wise on their part. Uh, remember, the whole idea about the money at that time was, uh, you know, with the CARES Act and the Infrastructure Act was to keep the process going here and, and keep, keep commerce going, uh, but for the lack of, of uh, revenue from, from fares and also uh, tax revenue in general from, from business activities. So, they were doing something that flew in the face of, of congressional intent. 
they, like I say, they they did reverse course, and I give I give the governor credit on that. Um, but uh, now now it seems to be a a question of um, dexterity and 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 competence uh, in dealing with the current situation. And I'll give you a good example. Uh, for many many years, there were thousands of employees on the waiting list. Excuse me, not employees applicants on the waiting list to go to work at the T. And so we had a human resources group there that was dealing with a situation of picking and choosing and, and putting people on the payroll uh, very slowly, quite frankly, and it took forever, but they always had a couple of thousand people who wanted to work on the T. Right now we have 600 vacancies at the T and we don't have a long list of, of people that are applying. We have very few, believe it or not. So they, they are still operating, I think, under the old system, the old presumption where there was a ready pool of people and they didn't have to proactively go out and, and seek skilled workers, electricians, uh, plumbers, carpenters, bricklayers, iron workers, uh, or, or bus drivers, you know, people with uh, commercial driver's licenses who they can put right to work. So there's a gap there and, uh, and, and also, uh, I, I think in their in their uh, planning department and and putting initiatives forward, uh, doing over stations, uh, the, there there is a directive from the governor's office and the secretary of transportation, you know, to do over stations, to to work on uh, additional uh, lines, and to buy new vehicles, buy new trains, buy new buses. Uh, there's a lag between the funding being given to the MBTA for this purpose and actually things happening. There's a lag there. And uh, it, it, is, it is, I think, at the root of some of our problems. There's also though, um, the reason I, I sort of think this has to be frustrating and it, it's, a, it's a tough dynamic. What you addressed in 2021 was the T um, sort of, uh, I guess, squirreling away money uh, while, while they were sort of reducing service and laying off some workers. And, and they ended that. But now here we are, um, 2022, middle of 2022. And again, I, the, the T is looking ahead. They're, the federal money will run out that, that they've been using to balance their budget um, in this coming fiscal year. And so subsequent to that, they're looking on less... That ridership rebounds significantly, they're looking at deficits in the future. And so it, it, it's sort of the, the federal money has delayed this day, what I tend to call a day of reckoning, but it hasn't, hasn't blocked it. What do you, is it, is the legislature, does the legislature here need to step up with more money or what's your sense of what needs to be done to address sort of a looming problem uh, coming up in about a year? Well, you would hope that we would get to a, a point of equilibrium where uh, that that uh, deficit is manageable from administration to administration. We we will have a, a new governor, uh, you know, in a, in a little bit. Um, we might have a new secretary of transportation, I, I and, and perhaps a new general manager at the T. Uh, I'm not quite sure of that, but. They may be thinking, look, we just got to get through our, our portion of this. I'm not, I'm not ascribing that. I'm just saying that's a possibility. But, uh, you know, 
I do agree that there's a larger deficit and they're using one-time infusions of cash to deal with, you know, their continual operations. And that, that is, uh, you know, that's just got disaster written all over it. Uh, we, we did uh, make a commitment to the Commonwealth of Massachusetts uh, for uh, $9.5 billion over the next five years, which is a huge amount of money. You think about the 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 big dig. Uh, I think we gave them sixteen billion dollars over twenty years. That was back in the day. But so this is a real infusion, and uh, you know you just hope that that uh, there's thoughtful planning to deploy that those resources in a way that will get the MBTA out of its out of its fix. And we've also look, we've got to get people on rapid transit. And you're going to do that by prying up, by providing high quality, efficient service. And, and so that's got to be our end goal here. We've got to, and, and I also think this will help our housing problem. If, if, we, if we provide reliable, quick, pleasant uh, transportation to people who are in the, you know, the exurbs and, and in areas in and around uh, the greater Boston area, it'll it'll allow people to you know n- not compete for the limited housing that's uh, within the city of Boston or our near suburbs. It'll it'll expand the opportunities and the job base that we rely upon uh, in the greater Boston area, and and, and that'll I hope uh, drop some of the pressure on on the housing stock in the area. So it, it really is a, a more holistic uh, solution that we're looking for here. And just for people like me that have a hard time getting their head around $9.5 billion, um, is that money, uh, so I've been led to believe that the T the T share of federal money is gonna run out after this coming fiscal year. Is any of this 9.5 billion available to the T? It's up to the legislature. It's up I to see. the legislature, yeah. So uh, some of the money we, we, um, we provided is discretionary to the governor. Some is discretionary to mayors. And then there's a big portion there that is subject to the decision of the legislature. So, um, and you know, they, they, they're grappling with that. There is, there is currently a bill right now. Uh, I think they're calling it ARPA 2.0 or something like that, uh, that the legislature is actually debating right now. It's, it's in the budget. So, uh, and uh, they're, they're grappling. I did meet with, uh, uh, Speaker Mariano, and I met with a group of the senators too, uh, to, to talk about that and, and how some of that money might be allocated. Uh, they, but they're, 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 they're on the issue and they, they're debating it. They, they, they understand the need out there, uh, but they also know that there are competing needs within their individual communities as well. And these would again be presumably one-time funds that may not, they may plug a operating budget gap for a period of time, but it's not a long run answer. Well, it's one time in the sense that it's one time, well, multiple times within this five-year period, but at the end of five years, you know, that money uh, is, is not going to continue, not in that form. So are you like, uh, and I don't mean to drag this on, but are you sort of, uh, I, sometimes I sort of feel like the T had a big pot of money and everybody here couldn't get together and figure out the best way forward. They, they did restore service, but 
they've already always seemed to know that there's going to be a problem looming. Would you have rather seen everybody get together when they had the money and there wasn't an urgency to it? But maybe maybe you always need an urgency in, in politics. I don't know. Well, yeah, that that's sometimes we don't we don't do something until we have a crisis. Yeah, the, there's that aspect of this, uh, Bruce. Um, I honestly think that under the circumstances, uh, it was tough to to predict when when ridership would return and and what what they could rely on in terms of of revenue. So uh, I think they took a billion dollars and and put it on their uh, some of the early money that came in and put it on operations just to continue uh, what they were doing and maintaining services. So, I mean, I can second guess them on that, but back then I, I, I don't know if I could have anticipated what actually happened. Uh, sure. I, I, I do, I do uh, appreciate the difficulty that they're faced with. Uh, I don't, I don't discount that, but uh, I, I do believe that having having these discussions and, and working it out. And look, we were getting co cooperation from the unions to try to manage this thing. You know, we did have a lot of goodwill out there. Uh, I, I think people were acting in the best interest of, of the MBTA ridership in, in, in many respects. Uh, and that, you know, unfortunately, it took a crisis to make that, that happen as well. Well, Congressman Stephen Lynch, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate that. Oh, good to be with you, Bruce. Thank you. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much.